Good evening. Welcome into State of the Tigers presented by James Carlton State Farm here on PowerMizzou.com, your favorite YouTube channel, or at least one of the YouTube channels you watch when your favorite YouTube channel has run out of videos for you to watch. So I uh, appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, if you're here with us live, if you're watching during this show, hit the like button, subscribe, comment, share, do all of the appropriate YouTube user type things. Uh, also get in touch with our friend James Carlton at State Farm Insurance in Webster Groves, Missouri. His information is going to be running across the bottom of the screen throughout the show, carltoninsurance.net. You can call him at 314-961-4800. Uh, talk to James a little bit this morning. He is uh, pleased with how things are going for Mizzou, wants to help make them better through Mizzou's NIL effort. So if you get in touch with James and you tell him you heard about it, uh, his agency on Power Mizzou, he's going to talk to you about ways to help Mizzou's NIL efforts and maybe even do a little bit of that himself if you get an insurance quote from him. We're going to bring in Drew King now. We're going to talk a little Missouri basketball on this show. Drew, I slept virtually the entire day yesterday after getting home from Lawrence, Kansas at 1 a.m. So hopefully uh, you're equally recovered. Uh, I also spent all of yesterday sleeping in. So um, <laughs> sounds like we, we both needed a little bit of a recharge after that game. Yeah, it was a productive, uh, productive day after, honestly, I don't know how productive a day on Saturday. Like, after, I guess, you know, 48 hours, feel good about it, feel bad about it, feel somewhere in between. Um, I think if I'm a zoo, I feel, I feel pretty good about it, but there's also a lot more pressure on these next two games now. Mm -hmm. um, so while like the, the performance was impressive, like you, you hung in there with the number two team in the country. Um, it doesn't count for much, right? Like it's not going to help you get into the NCAA tournament. You still need a couple of statement wins. Um, and so these next two games are going to be opportunities to pick those up. Yeah, I think like the the game, the effort, I feel good about in a couple ways. Number one, look, they didn't get blown. They could, I mean, down 18, I most certainly thought they were getting blown. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought they'd lose by 25, and they didn't. So that's good. Number two, I thought it really showed some coaching acumen on Dennis Gates' part. I mean, he went in there and he knew he was undermanned and he knew the other team had a guy that had been averaging 21 and, I don't know, 13, 14 a game, whatever mm -hmm. Dickinson was averaging. And with a smaller, not as talented team, he took their best player more or less out of the game. I mean, Hunter Dickinson was relatively – like, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't – he was ineffective for most of that game. He only got two shots off in the first half, right? And we talked last week, like, that was going to be a big deal for Missouri to be in this game is to kind of deny him those post looks. Um, Dennis Gates talked about how much they fronted him when he was on the block. Um, and, and so, yeah, like, I think we what we wrote about was for about 34 minutes, Mizzou looked like the better team, right? They They outscored them for most of the game but when mizzou hit a cold stretch 
um, yeah. it got it got really really bad, right? And so that's kind of the big red flag about the team right now is um, they they've got like some real momentum killing moves in their arsenal that just like hit the brakes on everything. Yeah, and and want to invite you guys uh, comments, questions. Feel free to put them in. We'll get to them throughout the show. If uh, if you have any, it happens almost every game, Drew. Mm-hmm. Like every game, there's a four or five minute stretch where you're, and it's not just you know a couple point. It's nothing for four and five minutes at a time. And I, I don't know exactly why that is, but it is. It's part of this team's DNA at this point. Yeah, and I don't think that the Caleb Grill injury helped necessarily. We didn't, we haven't talked about that yet. Um, you know, because he is a guy who was starting to come along the past couple of games. Didn't have the best start to the year, but um, had had kind of found a little bit of a rhythm and, and was settling into his role. And now he's going to be out for the next month, so that's going to be um, pretty uh, hurtful, I think coming up because you saw like Mizzou just didn't really f- have another option to go to after Sean East, right? Um, mm-hmm. Had a really good first half and then kind of got slowed down a little bit the rest of the game. And like Connor Vanover just kind of had to make some stuff up in the second half to get them back into it. So I, I don't know that that's something you can count on game in game out is for Connor Vanover to go on a heater. Um <laughs> So yeah, I like, mean the the lob to him should be open literally all the time. I don't know how you would defend it. Correct, <laughs> um, but you you do want you you need that second option, right? And Nick yeah. Honor tried his best, right? Didn't have a whole lot of success. Um, Noah Carter never seemed to get going, and then everyone else, it was like you know two to four points each, right? I, I don't remember anybody else really getting a good look off. So um, that's going to be the challenge for the team moving forward is, you know, outside of Sean East who can create offense. So along those lines, like the more I thought about it, and it, I, I do think it was a good defensive effort on Saturday. Yeah. No question. And I think they're a much better defensive team than they were last year, but like, even when they were up eight points in those first 14 minutes, it was just, it was Sean East throwing in everything he looked at. I mean, some mm-hmm. of them were good shots, but a couple of them were like, well, nobody's really moving. Nobody's open. So I'm just going to go spin in. Like he threw in a couple shots that were, you can't count on making those shots. So mm-hmm. I, even when they were playing well, like it didn't, it, it, it's kind of like a golfer who goes out and makes four 30 foot putts on the first eight holes, right? Like, <laughs> It's cool. It counts in the score, but it's just not sustainable. Correct. And I do think the venue does have a little bit to do with it, right? We, they do have these stretches every game. They're not always 20 to 2 runs, though, you know? And, and so, like, we, we saw Noah Carter airball a three, Nick Honor airball a three, Aiden Shaw, like, fumbled a couple of alley-oops. Like, those are plays we've seen them routinely make. And the only explanation I can kind of come up with is like it's it was a big game and maybe it got to him. Um, yeah. So I don't know that we'll see those kinds of issues every time, but to have 
those issues against that team, um, that's what kind of doomed them, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I guess, are we confident? Do we think a second option emerges, or is it just – because, like, sometimes it can be Nick Honor. Sometimes it can be Noah Carter. I think sometimes it maybe can be Tamar Bates. Mm-hmm. Um, if John Tante ever plays, maybe it can be him, you know. But do we think there's a guy who it can consistently be? Not at the moment. Like, it's, it's hard to see yeah. 10 games in. Like, nobody has been yet. Um, and it's it's kind of only going to get tougher moving forward because you've got the next two games against Seton Hall and Illinois. And then you've got one kind of blood donor game against Central Arkansas. And then you're going straight into the SEC. So, like, if you wanted to figure out who that second guy was going to be, you'd have hoped it would have been during those first 10 games when the schedule was a little bit lighter. Right. Before before we go on and talk about some individual stuff, take questions, all that, uh, it, if somebody brought this up to me today, and I kind of hadn't thought about it, but it's completely true. If they had just scored one more basket against Jackson State, how much better do we feel about this? I mean, they're eight and two. They a nine point loss to KU and a loss to Memphis, which is pretty good. Like, you wouldn't feel great about a 74 73 win over Jackson State, but it kind of would change everything people think about this team, I think. Right. It, it at least wouldn't count against them in the grand right. scheme of things, right? Because it's still a win. Um, but now you're looking at being like nine and four or eight and five going into SEC play or and maybe maybe it's 10 and three. It's gonna be really difficult to be 10 and three, but um like nine and four and eight and three, that's like a really big hill to climb back up from. Mm-hmm. Um so and like the Jackson State loss. I've, I've written about this. It's going to be an anchor that's like tied to their ankle the whole way through. Um, yeah. So, yes, it, you would feel a thousand times better if they didn't have that loss because, like, that's the one that stands out across the whole resume is why did they lose to that team, that caliber of team? Right. So, Seton Hall Sunday in Kansas City at four. Um, you, I don't know how much you know about Seton Hall yet. I know you will know plenty about them by Sunday of four. I will know probably about the same amount I know now, which is uh, not anything, if we're being honest. But uh, is this – like, they can't lose this game, right? To me, if they lose Sunday, then it's time to readjust expectations. Yes. Um, so Seton Hall, they remind me a lot of – Pittsburgh a little bit um, in that they don't have any bad losses, but they don't have any impressive wins either. Right. Right. So um, their losses are against USC, Iowa, Baylor and Rutgers. Three of those are away from home. Um, And then the best team they've beaten so far is Northeastern, which I couldn't tell you what state Northeastern plays from. I'm going to guess Massachusetts. I'm going to Google it while you talk, but I think <laughs> we're going to go. We're going to go Massachusetts. Yeah. So, yeah, but Rutgers is about like on a similar level as Missouri right now. And, and they beat 
Seton Hall on Seton's Hall, Seton Hall's home floor, uh, 70 to 63, right? So um, with this game being in Kansas City, right, I expect a lot more Mizzou fans there than Seton Hall fans there. It's going to be a, a semi-home game for Missouri. Um, I, yeah, this should be a game that Missouri wins. Um, but also like Pittsburgh, like Seton Hall's a really physical team. They, they rebound well. Um, they get their hands on steals a lot. So it's not going to be like an, an easy win, but it is almost a must win for Missouri. Yeah, I think uh, I think P.J. Carlosimo's done a really nice job at Seton Hall. Um, he's the last coach I remember from Seton Hall before Shaheen Holloway. Uh, Northeastern University, by the way, private university in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. So that is I do know that I do know that Reggie Lewis went to school there. Okay, there you go. Um, rest in peace. But uh, yeah, so um, but no, I, and it's no disrespect to Seton Hall. It's just the position Missouri's in. You schedule this game in Kansas City. It's a, basically a home game, and again, because of that Jackson State loss, and because Illinois is next, and Missouri could beat Illinois, but you don't count necessarily on a win over Illinois. You can't be eight and five going into SEC play and have no. any realistic hopes of making the tournament. I don't think. Correct. Yeah, it, that that's just one too many losses, and the one that puts it over the top is the Jackson State loss. Right, which which almost kind of counts as, as two losses, to mm -hmm. be honest. Uh, I want to want to hit up a couple of these questions, and because a couple of them do kind of focus on things we want to talk about anyway. So, who do you think will see the most minutes uptick with Grill out? Is it Pierce, Kurt Lewis, or John Tanjay? I mean, as far as we're concerned, John Tanjay's out too until yeah. further notice, right? Like, yeah. I just assume he's not playing until he magically plays. Yeah. Um, it, we don't have any clues on his availability either. Like Dennis Gates says, same we as asked. it always is. We have asked. Um, if he if he is. Same as it always is. But, but Coach, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Like, what is that? I couldn't tell you. Um, no, but if, if he is, like, if he does make his way onto the floor, I think that is somebody who could see a big minutes jump. Um, mm -hmm. As far as everybody else, um, I think Tamar Bates sees a minutes increase. Um, I think Anthony Robinson will also get some – extra minutes out of that um, and, and some of those three-point guard looks, lineups. Um, Trent Pierce did play 11 minutes against it, Kansas. I don't know that we'll see that consistently, though. What are your thoughts on it? I think they would love for it to be Trent Pierce. But he just doesn't look ready. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I look, I, I agree with all the people on our message board that I'm not sure where the hype came from. I don't know what they saw in this summer because I haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to see it because mostly I just like to be right. And we said all summer, hey, this kid's supposed to be really good. And we just, I, I mean, they got that lead down to eight. And I know Dennis praised Trent's defense on Saturday. And I will trust him that he played good defense. But they got that lead down to eight. And he had a wide open three on the wing. And I think you'll attest. As soon as he shot it, I said, oh, no. And you made a good point. You said he's got to take that shot. I mean, if he's on the floor, he's got to take that shot because it was wide mm -hmm. open. Yep. But I just didn't have 
any belief that it was going in. And it was at a time where if that shot does go in, it changes the game. And then Missouri got a stop. And then the next possession, he had a turnover. And like, look, these guys know way more about basketball than I do. And what they told me, I have to believe eventually comes to fruition, but it's not happened yet with Pierce. Yeah. I think what we talked about when he took that shot was it was a good shot. You just wish it had been somebody else taking it. Right. Because like Trent just has not had it going yet. Um, Oh, I don't know that we've seen him make too many of those. Like, and a lot of them he have made been a wide couple open plays like in the comeback against Minnesota and you kind yeah. of, maybe that gets him going and it just didn't. It has not. No. And, and the other thing is like, it, it wasn't one specific person who was hyping Trent up this summer. It was everybody. Like, everybody was talking about him. Um, and, and part of it too was like he, they went to Jamaica and they have the interest squad scrimmage and they're like, Trent Pierce, 20 points, 10 rebounds. Right. So that kind of perks your ears up a little bit. And, and yeah. especially given everything that we were told. So um, yeah, it's been a really confusing season for Trent. If he does find some kind of rhythm, absolutely. He could be a guy that steps in for Caleb grill over the next couple of weeks. And, and maybe he'll get more opportunities to do that. Um, Kansas probably wasn't the best time to give him a right. minute's bump. Um, but yeah, like if somebody were to emerge from Missouri, that might definitely be a guy because we think he's talented, right? It just hasn't shown up in actual yeah. games yet. Hasn't clipped. Here's another guy. Now, this is interesting. Mike says it's weird seeing Aiden Shaw no longer shoot threes. I mean, there was a there was a point, and it was with like two and a half, three minutes left. It was pretty mm -hmm. late in the game. But Aiden got the ball, not exactly on the wing, but out kind of on the wing, beyond the three-point line. I mean, there was nobody within seven feet of him. Mm -hmm. And he didn't, he didn't even think about shooting it. He shot some of those last year. Mm -hmm. Gates says he wants every guy on his team to shoot threes. I don't know, man. The, the confidence for Aiden Shaw offensively seems to have disappeared to me. I, I don't know exactly why, but um, – and, and look, I, I understand he didn't have the most polished offensive game, but he could make a jump shot. And now it's almost like he's been told not to shoot the ball outside the lane. And, and that would go against everything Dennis has ever said about any player he's had. So I don't really think that that's the case, but it's kind of tough to pick – like. He has to be a threat from – I mean, why did KU win that game? Because Hunter Dickinson and K.J. Adams showed they could make a 12-foot shot. That's yep. all Shaw has to do. He doesn't have to score from 26 feet, but he does have to be able to shoot from 15. So I, I think it's two parts to this answer. Um, first, kind of like you said, it was, it was late in the game. It wasn't over yet necessarily, and so – I think if I'm Aiden, I also probably wouldn't take that shot just because I, I want to make sure it goes to somebody who is more reliable out there. Like, would you have been confident from Aiden taking the three in that spot, just like Trent would? Probably not, but there was about two minutes and 15 seconds left. And rather than, I mean, it, it was as open, it, again, yeah. if you're on the floor, you got to take the shot. Yeah. Um, but also like, 
there wasn't really anybody in his way to the rim either, right? True. So so I would have liked to see him drive in there, right, and, and kind of suck some defenders in and kick it out. Um, that's a part of Aiden's game that even if he's not a shooter, like that's a way you can help on offense yep. is just, you know, make the defense react a little bit because, like you said, there was nobody within seven feet of him. Um, and he kind of just stood there and waited for somebody to come get the ball from him. So you do need him to be a little bit more of a threat there um, to to help in those spots because as much as he's improved defensively and as much of an impact as he's making on the boards, he's kind of been a zero on offense, and, right? And, and and this team doesn't have enough on offense to play four on five. Mm-hmm. Like there's already enough holes that you can't have a guy out there who's not going to shoot the ball outside of four feet. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and he did take those shots last year. I think he shot like 25%. He was like, right, like I don't think 12. he made a ton of them, but he would take them. Right. And like Dennis Gates always says, you know, he'll take shots over turnovers. So um, I don't remember exactly how that specific play ended, but I don't think it would have been the worst thing in the world for Aiden to pull up. Yeah, so I, you'd like to see him get some of that back. So Aiden, has, like we talked a lot about who could be the, the second kind of option on this team. And Aiden says, who should, who should it be? Who, who should Gates trust to be that guy? I know who he does trust. I don't know if that's who he should trust who he should trust i don't think there's a good answer here um <laughs> like but like look if if missouri's gonna be good is it fair to say it needs to be noah carter like if they're yes. gonna get where they're gonna go he's he doesn't have to be kobe but he can't be what he was saying yeah he can't basically not show up offensively correct and to be and to be fair, fair kobe had games like that last year if you remember yeah, no, Kobe Kobe had to pull himself out of the game against Wichita State because he, he yeah, felt and, like... Yeah, and the KU game last year, I mean, I distinctly remember, and I didn't think it was wrong. After the KU game last year, the narrative on Kobe Brown was, yeah, he can put up a lot of points against bad teams, you know. And then all of a sudden, he could put up a lot of points against yeah. everybody. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen for Noah, but I, I think he's... Because he scored 28 in his, like, his third game here. We've mm-hmm. seen him hit four or five threes. We've seen him. It was, I think it was the the Pittsburgh game where he just kind of bullied guys down low. Yeah. You know, so he can do it. I think that's got to be the answer if they're going to go where they want to go. And to be fair to Noah, like he did have to come out early with the cramp at like the eight minute mark. So maybe he, he right. also finds a rhythm late in the game there, but he wasn't doing too much before he got hurt. He he was getting boards, but on offense, um, like we, he had the air ball. I think that affected his confidence a little bit. Um, so yeah, like uh, Noah Carter, I think the other thing with him is, we talk about like how he bullies guys on the post. It usually helps when those guys aren't Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams, who are two big and strong guys like that. Um, But like, he's going to, he's going to be up against that a lot in the sec is the thing. So um, you either need him to make his outside shots or, um, you know, 
really get crafty on the block and find ways to score around bigger opponents. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think right now the guy that Gates thinks Nick Honor is that guy. Mm-hmm. He has been at times. No question. There are times. I mean, he got hot and brought him back against Minnesota. He was the one that I, I can't remember what game it was that he hit a huge three to force overtime last year. You know, Mississippi State. In, in Columbia. Yeah. So, so he can, but we've just seen he's so limited what he can do in the lane because of his size that like, I, I don't know if you can reliably think that's going to happen again and again. Uh, I think the other thing too, is he, he's like a step slower than Sean East. Sean can speed past some guys and get to the rim that way. Nick honor. He's getting met by the help defender every single time. Um, And so then it's like he's waiting for somebody to cut and it never comes. We talked a lot during the game about how like Mizzou just kind of seems stagnant. They kind of just stand around and and watch the ball rather than getting something going on the weak side. So yeah, with Nick, I credit him for trying, right? Because nobody else was really getting anything done with the ball in their hands, right? Um, Yeah. But he he hasn't been a great second option so far right. outside of shooting the three ball because he's shooting like forty seven percent from there. Is he really something like that? I'll I'll double check. I'm I'm stunned. It's it's that good, honestly. Forty five point nine percent. Wow, that's incredible. I I would not have guessed it was that high. Um, so. Uh, we're going to talk recruiting here in just a minute, but uh, I want to get to Christopher's question. Should we be excited about the lack of success from the rest of the SEC because it might be easier to, for Mizzou to finish with a better record or be worried that it may hurt a bubble team? It, it's kind of the the yin and yang, right? Like You kind of like looking around and going, they've got the sixth best record in the SEC, so maybe that's good. But like these are the teams you're going to be playing in – you need wins that are going to impress somebody. And if they're all losing games and don't have any great non-conference wins, then who are you really impressing if you go beat a bunch of those teams? Right. Uh, And it was a better weekend for the SEC, right? Uh, Tennessee took down Illinois, Auburn demolished Indiana. Um, So there, there was a little bit of a level leveling out for the, for the conference. Um, Ken Palm has the SEC as his number two conference right now, which is where I think they were at the That's end good. of last season. Um, but it's it's a really tight race with them, the Big Ten, and the Big East, right? It's it's like a couple of decimal points between the three of them. So, um, yeah, you 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 want the conference to close out strong here, and those uh, losses to bad teams, like those, are gonna dry up some of the at-large bids uh, come March because the selection committee isn't going to look on those losses too favorably. Yeah. So we'll wrap this up with, with this. Uh, I, I kind of put, put my tears for sec basketball out there this morning. I'm curious, just tell me, I'll read you each tier and you tell me where I'm wrong or where okay. I'm right. Tier one, A&M, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Is there somebody else that should be on that tier or should one of those teams not be there? No, I think that's that's pretty accurate. 
Yeah, I would, I would have those three in the top three. Tier two, Arkansas, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State. And I'm not sure. I initially forgot Mississippi State. I didn't even include them in the SEC. So uh, I stuck them there. They easily could have been in tier three, to be quite honest, because I'm not sure I put them on the level of those other three. Also, yeah. they don't start with an A, so they didn't really fit there. Yeah, and and they they're also missing Tolu Smith right now. Yeah. Um, so I think once they get him back, they'll kind of solidify their spot. I think they're probably on the fence between those tiers right now. Tier three, I had Mizzou, Ole Miss, Florida, South Carolina, and I said one or two of those has the chance to move up to tier two and be a bubble team, a tournament team at the end of the year. I don't, uh, I don't know which ones because I'm not sure where those teams separate. Yeah, so how many how many teams did you have in the first two tiers combined? Three in tier one, four in tier two. So okay, you know, yeah. So so like, so like I think one of those teams could switch places with one of the teams in tier two with Mississippi State, or just hey, maybe if the SEC is better than we think, maybe they find a way to get eight in. I, I kind of doubt that, but yeah, it's going to be tough to get eight in again this year. So um, if you're Missouri, like you're kind of looking on the outside in right now. Um, and so when we talk about Seton at least Hall, in my tiers, which I know the selection committee will ask. Yes, very, very true. I do. I, I do agree with what you're saying, though, because like I wouldn't say that Missouri's on par with an Alabama or an Arkansas right now. So um, there's there's work to do for sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that that's pretty accurate through the top three tiers. So if I put it in then tier four is Vanderbilt, Georgia, and LSU, and we don't care about yeah. those teams. Um, if if I tell you Mizzou, Ole Miss, Florida, South Carolina, if I tell you one of those teams does enough in SEC play to get into the tournament, who would? Does enough in SEC. So here's the thing. This is going to sound crazy. South Carolina has the best non-conference resume out of those four um their only losses to clemson which was on the road um they've beaten notre dame they beat depaul um beat virginia tech like those are high major wins those are um, teams i've heard of they're not right. good teams but they're teams i've heard of. yeah i i still don't totally trust them <laughs> no not at all um like even the clemson loss like Alabama had a worse loss against Clemson and they played Clemson at home. South Carolina was on the road and, and made it a closer game. Um, Ole Miss is still undefeated, but I, I don't trust them either. Like, cause a lot of those wins are against bad teams and it was by one point. So I, I don't know that they're going to be great, even though they've got Musa Cisse eligible. Um, so I I think it's a toss up between Florida and Mizzou, um, but I I wouldn't put money on either team yeah. one over the other. If I had to say, I think it's a toss up between Mizzou and Ole Miss because I believe in Chris Beard and I'm not sure I yet believe in Todd Gold. Uh, I, I mean, it's that it's not about personnel, it's not about resume. That's just that's just kind of where I stand with those. So let's get to we had two or three people ask this. How confident are you guys in Mizzou landing Aaron Rowe tomorrow? Would be an excellent start to the 2025 class. So Aaron is set to announce his commitment at, I believe it's 4:15 tomorrow mm -hmm. afternoon. Um, I would say we both feel 
extremely confident about Missouri's chances. I mean, he moved back to Columbia. About three weeks later, he took an official visit to Missouri. And 10 days after that, he was ready to commit. Yeah. I, I don't really think you have to connect a whole lot of dots or be very good at connecting dots to connect those dots. The dots are there to connect. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think that, like you said, like it's it's been one thing after another and in a very short amount of time. Um, and it's been a guy that they've liked for a while now. So um, considering that he's from Columbia, it's a school he's familiar with. Like, yeah, I think that there's a lot of reasons to believe that it's going to be Mizzou for Aaron Rowe. And to get, I mean, look, it's 11 months till signing day. To get a top 25 player who is a point guard. So that tells me he's got some kind of natural leadership skills mm -hmm. to be the lead recruiter of your 2025 class. I mean, if that happens tomorrow afternoon, that is, that, that's a huge victory for Dennis Gates. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Honor Boateng is kind of the crown jewel of the 2024 class, and Aaron Rowe is, like, on par with that level of talent, you know? Um, he's He could potentially be a, a five-star commit by the time mm -hmm. the cycle's over with because um, he's he's got a lot of time left, obviously, till he steps foot on a college campus. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that having that kind of – it, it, momentum roll over into this 2025 class after what you just accomplished with the 2024 cycle. Like that's going to be a big deal. Um, I don't know that's going to be another five man class this time around, but um, you almost kind of hope it's not because that means right. you guys have left, right? That you kind of probably don't want to leave. So I, I don't know that it's going to be like a super huge class, but I, it does help to lead off with, that kind of a talent if he ends up committing to Mizzou. And and I think, um, you know, I mean, this is how long Aaron Rowe, I, I think I first heard about Aaron Rowe when he was in seventh or eighth grade. Mm. And then, you know, like he's been a big name to Missouri fans long enough that like people were wondering why Conzo Martin didn't offer him sooner. So like he's been well known, you know, going back three, four years now. Um, and he's just a, I guess he's finishing up his junior year. Uh, he'll be be eligible for second semester at Tolton as a junior. I forget uh, which game exactly, but I know he's going to be eligible second semester. He's going to start out with a home game, so I think that would be a, a big deal for uh, local fans to kind of get a get a look at this kid who's who's been a hot name. I mean, this is don't get me wrong. This isn't Michael Porter. Um, it's not that level, right. but it, he, he's definitely a well known kid around here. And I think would be a really nice way to start off the 25 class, which, like you said, would follow up the 24 class. Um, and, it, you know, it kind of leads into kind of what I want to finish with. And I, I, I mentioned this this morning and a couple of people said it on Saturday. Like, if you look at the way he recruited for 24 and if he gets Aaron Rowe to start 25 next year, like. You almost can it's okay if this year's a little step back, right? Like there is a mm -hmm. chance that this is Dennis Gates' worst year as Missouri's head coach. And I'm not talking about worst of the two. I'm talking about if the next couple classes are indicative of the kind of talent he's going to bring in, 
there's a chance it's his worst year as long as he's here. Yeah. Yeah, no, because we knew coming in it was probably going to be a little bit of a step back this year, and so far it has been. We'll see how big of a step back it ends up being. But, um, yeah, like you're talking about, you know, bringing in the, a, a top five class next year, and then if you're adding to that like a 2025 point guard and whatever else, he is able to they're they're able to pair him with like that's gonna be eight or nine guys that mm-hmm. are probably gonna be in the top 150 like these are not going to be um you know kind of what it was before Dennis Gates got here right and you're talking about this this three-man class even the the current freshman class they were all top 150 guys. And mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say that, you know, Robinson and Butler, I think, are overachieving what we expected coming into the year. And Trent Pierce is not underachieving what his ranking is. Yeah. He's just underachieving some of the things we got caught up in hearing over the summer. But, like, it, it's not unusual for Trent Pierce to not be hitting the ground scoring 15 points a game as a true freshman that was ranked like 125th. Like it takes those guys a year usually. Yeah, no, like I think Ant Robinson has been like the, a very pleasant surprise because you sure. didn't necessarily expect the 120th ranked guy um, to be impacting this way as soon as he steps foot on a college campus. And so, yeah, like Trent Pierce, it it, it might take him a little bit longer than expected, but that doesn't mean that like he's underachieving his ranking. All right. So uh, again, four o'clock Sunday afternoon, um, we assume, I don't know, we'll probably get to talk to Dennis and, and somebody or other sometime this week. It's finals week. It's always a little bit weird. This is a strange time of year in basketball. They, they play once a week for like three weeks and then take a week off. Uh, but we will, whatever happens, uh, Drew's certainly going to cover it. He and I are going to drive back up I-70 on a Sunday afternoon and hang out at the uh, T-Mobile Center and watch Mizzou Seton Hall. Uh, I will be back Thursday night. We're going to hang out with Gerard Hamilton, maybe Sean Williams. We're going to talk a little football, a little uh, recruiting transfer portal, things like that. So appreciate all you guys hanging out with us. Uh, hit the like button, share, subscribe to the channel. You'll get notifications when we go live. We may do that Sunday evening from T-Mobile. We'll see how things go. Um, but if you're listening on the podcast, make sure to leave nice comments, give us a good review, share it on social media, and remind you one more time to get in touch with our friend James Carlton at State Farm Insurance, carltoninsurance.net on the phone at 314-961-4800 during regular business hours. James has been a good partner of ours for a couple of years now and uh, really appreciate all his help. So I want to make sure that you guys help him out and he wants to uh, help Mizzou's NIL efforts as well. So thanks for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you next time.